Welcome to Energy and Personal Excellence. This is Sachin Karnik. Uh, this is the philosophical exploration and dialogue uh, arm of the uh, EPE program. So we're continuing our uh, exploration of what is philosophy. And uh, when we consider Western philosophy, Western philosophy is generally considered to be the intellectual exploratory development, contemplative development from the ancient Greeks to the present time. Um, there's no one definition of what Western philosophy actually means, there, but that's the historical way of looking at it. Uh, it would be nearly impossible to find any two philosophers, even today or in the past, who would define philosophy in exactly the same way. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, because um, it is an exploratory, open-ended process. Uh, it doesn't start necessarily with fixed conclusions, although many philosophers have done that. Uh, it is uh, it is an attempt to probe and to inquire. So uh, there has there's a, the area of philosophy, particularly professional philosophy, has had a very long uh, history in the West, uh, and there are just many many aspects to it all. Um, uh, as I stated in the previous recording, you know, philosophy generally is thought of as a search for wisdom. Uh, because it, you know, the word philosophy uh, comes from the Latin and the Greek words, um, uh, from the Latin word philosophia, uh, and then the Greek word uh, philosoph, which means the lover of wisdom. So philosoph is the lover of wisdom, and philosophia uh, is the is the love for wisdom. You know, so um, there is. Uh, the need in human life. There is a need in human life for wisdom. Now, what exactly is wisdom is a whole question in itself. You know, so, and that's the beauty of philosophy. You can take any one word and just keep probing into it further and further and further. You know, our purpose is to find out what is the relationship between energy, which is raw energy, and the entire Eastern and Western, Western and Eastern, professional and, you know, and non-professional area of philosophy. Because philosophy really covers psychology. It covers, you know, just about everything. There's nothing that's really outside that. So that's a very broad way of looking at things. But in a more uh, focused manner, we can say that our purpose is to uh, inquire into great truths and to unfold them carefully. Uh, in our own lives, for our own development, and for the development of our, of our relationships, our families, for development in all 12 areas of one's life, which are explained in the uh, 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 EPE program as 12 dimensions of one's life. So that's the general background. So if we go into some of the endeavors in philosophy in a general sense, you know, philosophy or philosophers have attempted to understand the universe as a whole. So they kind of saw in, in ancient times as well as today that everything exists in a whole, or everything is a whole that, that uh, is all interconnected. So there's like one reality with all interconnected parts. I mean, if you just look at our own body, we say, well, this is my body. But the body isn't just you know, one uh, homogeneous um, phenomenon. It's a heterogeneous phenomenon. Uh, it is. It has many different parts. There's bones. There's muscles. There's skin. There's different organs. There's different cells. You know. There's just so many different parts. 
But all those parts make up a whole called the body. So even in looking at the body, uh, and of course the outside world, which is extremely complex, uh, philosophy in general has attempted, or philosophers have attempted to uh, obtain wisdom, obtain knowledge, obtain an insight, ob- obtain understanding about the nature of the universe as a whole. How is it all interconnected? How does it all work? And then, of course, from there, scientific disciplines, sociological disciplines, psychological disciplines, all these have evolved from the human intellectual process, from human intellectual curiosity. You know, we have a greater brain, we have a bigger brain than all other species, as far as we know. And as a result of that, we are able to reflect upon the nature of our own life and reflect upon what is, uh, um, what is uh, uh, actual reality. And, and we can modify the outside world. And that's how you know, scientific development is really just intellectual development. And from that, we have been able to exercise many abilities or awaken many abilities to modify the outside world to make our life more comfortable, to make our life even pretty bad at times, you know, because of wars and conflicts and those kinds of things. So, so the, the philosopher is a, uh, a, a, excuse me, the philosopher is an explorer of truth. A, a, this is my opinion, at least, that the ph- philosopher is not starting with fixed conclusions. Although there are obviously certain tendencies that everyone would have, even certain beliefs that we all have, or perspectives that we have, worldviews that we have, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, but nonetheless, to be aware of one's worldview and not necessarily to be driven just by that, but to keep the mind open, is really foundational to philosophical exploration. Uh, so openness is necessary for a genuine dialogue to occur, which is exactly what my program incorporates. You know, I don't do formal counseling or psychotherapy anymore. I used to do that uh, for many years, but I've modified the entire program for a variety of reasons to really penetrate into the nature of thought and emotion, memory and desire, in, into, the, into the fundamental processes, into, into deeper level processes by inquiry, by dialogue, by examination. Uh, so these recordings that I'm making are for reflective uh, examination, for reflective awareness, uh, for a exploratory process into the nature uh, of the uh, reality that we're surrounded with outside and inside. Right, so that's kind of some of the background. Okay, so uh, in looking at the different areas that philosophers have traditionally looked at, uh, or have examined, you know, the, the first point I was making here is that philosophy or uh, philosophers are trying to understand the entire universe. I mean, that's a huge task, you know, I'm not sure that that's really possible. But maybe, I mean, we don't know. But that's one task. And they, and they do it reflectively. I mean, they may not be really using what we call current scientific methods, but there is what's called the philosophy of science. You know, where did science come from? The empirical process, the investigative process, the um, scientific method. These are all developments based on the way the mind works and based on the way our emotions work and based on our own probing. So, so we'll get into even questions like, what is rationality? You know, we say that we want to be rational or logical, but what exactly is logic? What exactly is rationality? What is the thinking process? And then, uh, and then, uh, uh, from all of that, uh, you know, who are we? So those are additional questions. Okay, so that's this is one area. 
The other area, uh, in addition to all this, and these are all linked together, they're not really separate from each other. Another area uh, where Western philosophers particularly have, have um, examined this, and so have many, and so have Eastern philosophers, it's not really that much of a division uh, with this, but all philosophers have also examined humankind's moral responsibilities and social obligations. You know, what ought to be done in life? What should be done? What should not be done? Where does morality come from? You know, we have a sense uh, that certain things should not be done. Certain types of activities should not be done. Well, where does that come from? I mean, for example, uh, just we have all heard about this, you know, the Ten Commandments, thou shall not murder, thou shall not kill, don't kill another human being, this kind of thing. In the Hindu tradition, for example, there is the doctrine of ahinsa, nonviolence, you know, that uh, be nonviolent in word, action, and deed. You know, so don't commit violence by words, by, by any physical action, you know, or, or even just mentally, just to think about some violent act. So that is called ahinsa. Ahinsa means violence, ahinsa means nonviolence. So, so they developed this notion, you know, the ancient thinkers and sages and, and whoever they were in ancient times in India and in China and other places uh, developed these ideas that what ought to be done, what ought not to be done. Same thing is true in the Judeo-Christian tradition from a religious point of view. It's true in the Islamic tradition, other religions also. And even if you don't look at the religions, it's true just in a general sense as far as human development that we are... <clears throat> always asking ourselves, you know, what should we do, what should we not do? And then there have been uh, tremendous developments in the exploration of ethics. So ethics is a major area uh, uh, of study and uh, reflective um, uh, probing into the nature of uh, morality and uh, in, in, into into what ought to be done, what ought not to be done. You know, so that's this another area of Western philosophy and Eastern philosophy. Uh, and again, so so you know, examine, examining humankind's moral responsibilities. So that's like in general, but as as human beings, what should we do? What should we not not do? What what are responsibilities? And then of course, what are our social obligations? And that includes family obligations, etc. So our social obligations are there. You know, we are all interconnected people. So this is some of my commentary, and I'll tell you when I'm giving my commentary in this, as opposed to just referencing some general ideas. You know, my commentary in this is that uh, we are all interconnected people. We are all interdependent. Uh, and the faster we realize that, the better off we're going to be. You know, so there are so many who have realized this, but I would probably say that majority of human beings are not living in such a state of consciousness. Uh, it, it's, it's a realization that transcends the, our limited, just our limited wants and needs and drives and desires. <clears throat> so when we begin to look further, we are able to ask questions about social responsibility, about societal responsibility. You know, because what we do, every action we take impacts our family, impacts, impacts of course, our body, our mind, but impacts our, impacts our family, our relationships, uh, those, those who are around us, because we are not living in isolation. You know, we don't live in isolation. We are always interconnected, right? So this is, this, this is another area. Now, another area of exploration of human philosophy uh, is an effort to fathom you know, the divine intentions is, is to examine, is there divinity? Is there God? Is there the supreme reality, supreme being? And what is the intention of the divine? Uh, and then, of course, what is our place uh, in this tremendous existence 
uh, in relation to that divine. So this is another uh, very, very massive exploratory endeavor in philosophy. You know, so is there something like divine? What does the word divine even mean? You know, so, and, and then if there is God, which, and if you assume that there is God through faith or through belief or, or even through some type of mystical or religious experience, that you come to a conviction, you come to a, to a, uh, a determination or a personal conviction that there is the divine, then the question about divine intention comes about. You know, so what is divine intention? What is God's power? What, uh, you know, is, is there God? So these kinds of questions are also uh, very, very fundamental to uh, exploratory uh, 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 endeavors in philosophy. And of course, in, in, in my program, in the Energy Personal Excellence program, we are looking at these at a much deeper level. You know, we are not simply having a superficial conversation, we want to really probe into each of these questions. I mean, for example, if I was to, was to just ask you, who are listening to this right now, what, is the, what does the word divine mean to you? You know, it's a word, right? It means something, but what does it mean to you? Does it mean anything at all? You know, is there something that is, quote, divine outside what we consider the empirical, materialistic experience of the senses? Uh, you know, now this same notion, if you look in Eastern philosophy, Eastern religious traditions, they have talked about this in, in, in the same way, and they have said that there is experience beyond the senses, or there is a state beyond the senses, something that is the soul, or something which is you know, non-material, something which is beyond, actually, the, the uh, realm of what is known through the senses. Then they have called it, you know, there's different names for all that, which I won't get into right now. So anyway, these are questions. Now, the exploratory process in the Energy and Personal Excellence Program, first thing to keep in mind is that um, energy is required to explore these questions. You know, to, to, have, to take out the time to sit silently for a while, to engage in a careful dialogue, uh, and uh, to look at these questions very carefully, so that our intellectual power can increase. The, one of the biggest blessings of philosophical exploration, you know, from my viewpoint, is the expansion of intellectual power. Uh, and when, inter when intellectual power begins to expand, personal excellence is going to happen. This is my opinion, at least, or it may happen. Or, or let's put it this way, there's a great foundation developed then for personal excellence. Okay, so personal excellence is your own shining. It's your own glory. Not, it's not an egotistical phenomenon. You know, it, it's, like, it's like the sun that shines. It's not shining out of ego. It's, just, it's shining because that's its nature. You know, so similarly, when energy is awakened, when energy is uh, enhancing intellectual power, uh, then personal shining from within, from without, from, from every, every area will happen. All 12 areas of one's life will be bright. So we want to bring brightness to all 12 areas, and philosophical inquiry is a tremendous way of doing such a thing. It's a tremendous way of accessing that, that brightness or, or opening one's life uh, into that. It's not the only thing. There's many other areas. We're going to look at psychology. We're going to look at you know, um, um, meditation. We're going to look at uh, uh, well-being and wellness and health and all of these things. And there are other programs from in, in other medical practices that are also working on similar areas, uh, which, which I can refer to at, uh, at some other point. But, but right now, at least for now, 
uh, in these exploratory recordings, in these initial recordings on philosophy, uh, I, my, my intention is simply to um, uh, uh, excite you, to uh, awaken the, the, uh, the curiosity about these questions. I think we, you know, if we begin with questions, then we can grow from there. So that's the idea. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, traditionally philosophers have uh, fathomed, and they've continued to fathom even today, divine intention. Uh, and what is our place in this world? What is the purpose of our life? This is, that's a very basic question. And then what, what do we need to do in this life in relationship to the divine, if there is the divine? If there is not the divine, as the atheist would say, there is nothing like divine or God. There's only this material reality. Uh, and there's quite a few number of atheists, and atheism is growing actually throughout the world today. You know, so um, uh, if one is subscribing to that type of approach of atheism, then what is one's place in life? What is the purpose of one's life? You know, is it is it simply to just enjoy maximum sense pleasure, maximum pleasure? You know, like hedonism, is that the purpose? Um, and for some people, it may be. But if you look at, if you go too far into the into the enjoyments of pleasure. Uh, in, into hedonic states that are taken to extremes, they cause a lot of damage to the brain, to the mind, to the body. You know, as we can see in the in addictions, for example, right. So, uh, again, these are all things to look at. You know, in the Energy Personal Excellence Program, there's no intention to um, uh, convince anyone to take a particular path. The choice is always each person's. Nonetheless, this is a program that Sachin is developing. I, I you know, I'm developing this when I and and I have the freedom in the program to give you my perspective. But I'm hoping you will consider that simply so that you will ha develop your own perspective or give me your perspective. I'm not trying to convince you or anybody else that you should accept my perspective only. I want you to, I'm asking you to, you know, I'm respectfully asking you to openly consider these questions and, uh, and then on that basis to engage in the dialogue process for the purpose of personal development and growth. You know, because I think that, you know, again, my, it's my opinion, I think we are living, well, I would say that life itself is extraordinary, you know, and, and the mystery of life, the mystery of consciousness, mystery of divinity, is there the divine, is there, uh, you know, really ethics, and what is ethics, and, and uh, is there, is there um, uh, real joy, I mean, you know, so, or, or what is beauty, these kinds of things are so important to look at. They're great to look at because we can grow beautifully further in, in a state of inward development. So that is just, you know, again, my perspective. Uh, continuing a little bit further, uh, if we look at uh, a rigorous examination uh, process, you know, so philosophy, philosophers utilize uh, logic, rationality, and they rigorously do so using very systematic methods at times to examine um, the origin, extent, and validity of human ideas. You know, so where do ideas come from? I mean, you know, Plato talked about this, and we'll get into all of that in a lot of depth uh, in time. But just as an introductory here, you know, we have a lot of different ideas. But where do ideas come from? This is one question. What's the origin of ideas, human ideas? What is the, the range of human thought? 
You know, what is the range? How far does it extend? That's a very big question, very difficult question to answer. That's the extent of human ideas. So, uh, you know, philosophy is a professional discipline where there is a rigorous examination. You know, there is a very, very much an in-depth examination uh, of the origin of human ideas. Where do, where do human ideas, where does the human intellect originate from? The extent or the depth, the range. And then there's the question of validity. You know, how valid are they? I mean, so we may ask, what is validity? And how true is something? And so if something is true, then the opposite of that would be something is false. So for example, we say 1 plus 1 equals 2. That seems logical. That's like somehow, you know, a simple logic would say that, yeah, that is a truth. But if you say 1 plus 1 equals 3, that is not true. That is, so what's the, you know, what is it that's making this difference in our mind between 1 plus 1 is 2 versus 1 plus 1 is 3? If I have two apples... You know, one apple, another apple. I say now there's two apples. I, you know, in my mind I see two apples, but I don't see three apples. So if I say say that one plus one apple plus one apple is three apples, that's false. So where does that sense that this is false come from? See, 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 see the simple question, but see how see the depth in the question. It seems like a simple question, but it's not a simple question. It's a very much in depth question. You know about what makes that true. If I say one apple plus one apple equals two apples, I can say, obviously, I mean, are you an idiot to think something different from that? We see two, but yeah, but the, but the notion that there's two apples, and if you go further in that, you'll see that it's a sensory experience, and our mind is looking at those two, and then there's the concept of the two. Actually, you're just seeing one apple and another apple, but the idea in the mind of two, the number two, where did that come from? See, see this see this question now that's a very difficult question to answer you know i mean plato has tried to answer this question in the idea of forms that he talked about forms that there's like an ideal two in some transcendental realities something like that he's mentioned and and we'll get into that you know but if you just ask yourself where does the idea of number two come from because it's an idea in your mind isn't it the reality is simply i mean from a sensory point of view you're seeing an apple and you're seeing another apple and 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 then, but somehow your mind is looking at that and saying, "Well, now there's two of these, you know." Or, or, uh, but it's not three, it's not four, it's just two, right? So, if you were to ask, what is the difference between that which is true, that which is false? What is true and what is false? Is that based on the way the mind is working and the way the intellect is working is, is, is what we consider to be truth or, or what is known as scientific empirical truth. You know, if you look at the entire development of empirical sciences, is that, is that a function of thought or thought is functioning in a certain way in the context of what is existing in the outside reality? Is that what's happening? And if you say yes, then how is that happening? Why is that happening? If you start asking that question, that'll take you to neuroscience. It'll take you to brain science. It'll take you to cognition, cognitive psychology. You see, so, so the simple question of one plus one equals two, it opens up multiple areas of exploration uh, and it goes into a tremendous depth right away. You know, so I just, I'm just kind of trying to whet your appetite on this because, <laughs> the, you know, the philosophical exploration uh, area of the EPE program 
is uh, it, it, it just has a extremely uh, high level of intense ex, uh, exploration. It has a, it has depth within it, you know. Because I think that that's needed in life. You know, we have sometimes gone away from depth. And I'm not saying one should be thinking about philosophical questions all the time and should be at that depth all the time. That, that's not what I'm talking about, you know. Uh, but uh, there are times when we do want to look at this, and there's a type of joy that comes from looking at this. It's a higher pleasure. It's a higher joy. Uh, you know, so, so there is that. And of course, life has its own mixtures. You know, we enjoy things in so many different varieties. Life is for enjoyment. That's my opinion. But not to be stuck in harmful enjoyments is also my opinion. Anyway, so that I don't want to go off into too many other tangents. But to uh, continue uh, the general area of this exploration, you know, uh, traditionally philosophers have also explored, um, you know, what is free will? What is will, actually? You know, what is will, W-I-L-L, or free will? Is there free will? Is there will? Is there ego? And that goes back into the questions about the ego and ego strength and self-esteem and all those kinds of ideas, self-worth in the field of psychology. Is there consciousness? And we used to, again, we use this language, you know, consciousness, or there's awareness. But these are words. They're referring to something. What are they referring to? Now, these are different. These are more, uh, you know, esoteric questions. Uh, we have a sense that we're alive. Well, what is life? What is life versus death? Is it just biological? Is it just empirical? So that's there. That's there also. Um, also, uh, you know, philosophers have examined, uh, you know, what is beauty. Uh, what is goodness? What is truth? You know, so uh, truth versus false. We talked about that, and you know, goodness versus evil. Good versus evil. What is goodness? Uh, and um, what do we mean by that? I mean, what what exactly is that? And how does that develop in our life? <clears throat> um, that's another question. Um, what is beauty? Is another question. You know, um, the entire area of aesthetics in philosophy, looks at the questions about beauty. You know, what makes something beautiful? I mean, if you see a mountain range, for example, you say, wow, that's so nice, that's so so awesome. It's just like a freeing experience is there, like open experience is there. You know, so what is that experience? Where does it come from? Uh, so interesting questions. And um, philosophers have also attempted to codify the rules of human thought Okay, uh, in order to promote rationality and the extension of clear thinking. So this is another area, you know, so they, they are trying to, um, uh, you know, bring about a series of uh, rules that will promote rationality, that if you follow your thinking process in a certain way, then you're thinking rationally, and then on that basis you can uncover even more truth and think clearly, clear thinking, as opposed to distorted or confused thinking. So, you know, to, 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 to bring the mind to a state of, of lucidity, clarity, of, uh, of a very uh, uh, clear perception of things as they are, is an attempt um, in uh, philosophy, in the area of logic particularly, and, uh, and the whole, whole area is like that. You know, but clear thinking brings about hopefully, more wisdom. Uh, it, it brings about a type of freedom. So this is also just my thinking on that or my perspective on that. You know, so again, there are so many more areas that really come out of all of this and that are, uh, uh, that are all embedded together. Uh, but, but the fact is that 
that the philosophical enterprise, you know, because that's what it is. It is an endeavor. It is an endeavor to examine this and to enjoy the examination process, to, process, to enjoy the journey. Um, because there, there is a tremendous level of complexity as you go into these questions. They can get more and more complex and intricate. And if you look at the writings of the major philosophers, they are not easy to read. I mean, if you take something like The Critique of Pure Reason by Immanuel Kant, it's a very difficult book to read. You know, there, there might be a handful of people that have thoroughly grasped even what he is trying to say uh, in the history of humanity. That's how... Um, uh, uh, intricate that particular book is, you know. So, um, so, but we're going to examine all of that. We're going to get into all those things, you know, one step at a time. The other point I want to emphasize is that there are many sides to any one question. You know, so uh, you take any one idea, it has a phenomenal depth within it. Just like that one plus one equals two example, but one plus one equals is not equal to three. You know, that simple example has a tremendous amount of depth if you start probing into it. You know, something that may seem relatively simple, which actually it is simple in one sense, but behind it, there is a tremendous depth. There's a great depth. And hence, there is uh, uh, many-sidedness to that exploration. So there's many perspectives, many ways of looking at that particular phenomenon. And then, um, and then usually what happens in the field of philosophy is that philosophers are trying to argue for a particular position or they're trying to come to a particular conclusion. And in my program, you know, I, I'm not trying to necessarily come to a specific conclusion. If, you, if, if someone comes to a specific conclusion, my question is, has your exploration stopped? If, you, if, if a person says, well, you know, there is really nothing like God, let's say, just as an example. Okay, now, then I would say, well, then maybe you have stopped your meditative exploration into finding out what is within you, or what is outside of you, or what, what is in the great scriptures of the world. Or, but, but someone may not want to go on that path, so that's fine. And someone might say, no, there is, there is definitely God, or there definitely is this great infinite beauty, or whatever. They may say that as a mental argument, as a mental philosophical argument. Uh, my point of view uh, on that is that, you know, the field of philosophy uh, is stuck at the level of the intellect. At the in they have taken it very far, and we're going to take it to that extent also. But it, there's a limitation there. You can keep arguing back and forth, you know, like, is there free will versus, not, versus no free will? Is the mind different from the brain? You know, is there... Is there actually something like a, like a truly moral human being, or is, there, or is human nature fundamentally just evil and, and selfish? You, know, you can examine these questions and go into them, and people take different positions, and philosophers argue in tremendous ways for various positions. And that's fine. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful endeavor. But my point simply is that whatever conclusion one may make through philosophical exploration, is the conclusion stopping further development, you know, so, uh, and, and what is a conclusion? I mean, a conclusion is like a fixed belief that this is what it is, you know, uh, and uh, that's the way professional philosophers debate with each other. They argue with each other about one position versus another, and they keep going into it that way. Uh, and, and there is value in that. There's a tremendous amount of value in that because it provides depth of exploration. Uh, but I guess, you know, my criticism to some extent of that is that it kind of shuts off exploration also. If you, if you come to a conclusion, 
something like, you know, let's say, the, let's say you come to a fixed conclusion that the mind and the brain are the same. And you just go on that basis and you, and you find every philosophical work and your own thinking to justify that. You know, or, and, or you believe that, or you came to that belief somehow. Well, if you came to that belief, you came to that belief. But then what? I mean, what's next after that? I mean, that's it? I mean, it's done? That there's nothing more? Or is there really uh, some room for further open exploration that the mind might be different from the brain? Or what is my mind? You know, I mean, even if I, as Sachin Karnik, just for example, let's say I believe firmly that the mind and the brain are the same, like many neuro, neuroscientists do. Uh, they say that the mind is just an, an epiphenomenon. It's, it's an emergent quality of the brain. Uh, well, let's assume for a moment that Sachin Karnik believes that firmly, based on the fact that I've been trained in science and neurology and social sciences and other things. Just hypothetically, I'm making this statement. Uh, and I come, and I'm firmly, you know, entrenched in that, in that sense, in, in that in that belief. So then, my thinking is all along those lines. But is there no room for my own personal exploration about what is mind? Because I have a mind, you know. But I don't know. Let's say I don't. I may not know what it is. I, I mean, you know, I, I can be curious about that. And I think this is where meditation comes in. You know, meditation is, is an introspective, reflective way of looking at what is mind. Uh, you know, as opposed to simply coming to empirical conclusions that the brain is just the mind, or the mind is just the brain, and, and it's just a computer, and it's just a neurochemical process, and that's all there is to that. And that may be the case, you know, but is there no room for some kind of exploration beyond that conclusion? So I think this is where, you know, my position here, and which is also just a position, you might think of it that, that way, that I believe that, and this is just my belief, uh, I believe that exploration should always remain, remain with us, that there should be some level of openness somewhere with any question. You know, otherwise we're blocked off. I mean, otherwise we're just kind of entrenched in a belief that closes us off, closes us, closes us off. Now, that may not necessarily be true also, but I tend to look at it that way. You may disagree with that, and I'm happy if you disagree with that. That may be perfectly fine. I mean, you know, for example, in many of the religious traditions, there's something called apologetics. There's people who really believe, let's say, the New Testament or the Gita or some particular scripture, is the Quran or whatever, is so true. Every word of it is true. Everything is exactly what it is. And they justify it thoroughly as much as they can. And they believe it. And they, and they you know, there's this whole area called apologetics. A similar area is called theodicy. Uh, so you know, so so, and then there's power there. There's energy in that also. There is a certain kind of truth that they're trying to come to, or or they there's a certain uh, acceptance of a particular idea or scripture as the as the, as the absolute truth, you know. Uh, and then on that basis, uh, the apologetics will find whatever they can from wherever to justify what they believe to be to to be you know to be the absolute truth. Uh, so, and, and I'm not criticizing that. I mean, if somebody's wanting to do that and to progress in their life that way, that's up to them. You know, that's fine. You know, uh, all I would say is that I am not an apologetic. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, convince anyone of anything as such, although I'm trying to present my ideas. So there's a difference between presenting my, my own personal ideas uh, and my own vision versus 
starting with the fixed conclusion to try to convince you to accept the conclusion. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I don't believe in doing that for, for me. Somebody else wants to do it, they're more than welcome to, and I'm not criticizing them also. You know, my only criticism would be if, some, if one community or one group is, is going to kill somebody or hurt somebody to, based on their belief, then I have a problem with that. But, but other than that, if you want to try to convince someone of your belief, go ahead, go into a, a, a debate or try to convince them or, or whatever it might be. I think that's beautiful. I mean, I, I, you know, we see this kind of exploration, or excuse me, we see this kind, these kinds of debates in the, in the field of philosophy. The entire field of philosophy, the professional philosophy, particularly if you look at the philosophical journals that, have, that are existing today and have historically existed, all of these journals are debates, you know, they, and they are probes, and they're respectfully done. They're not hurting anybody. So be, I think humanity can learn a, a tremendous amount from philosophers. A phenomenal amount can be learned from, from philosophers. But unfortunately, most people you know, think of philosophers as just ivory tower thinkers sitting in university offices, kind of aloof from society, teaching some classes here and there, debating with each other in these highly intricate journal articles, which hardly anybody understands. And the, you know, so, this, this, so part of my goal here is to really take philosophy out of that armchair, ivory tower endeavor and bring it into the general public's mind. Bring it to the general public in an extremely accessible, meaningful way in the context of energy and personal development and excellence. This is my, my vision. I've wanted to do that for many years. Finally, the opportunity is there in my life to, to do this. You know, so, so anyway, so these are some introductory comments or introductory thoughts uh, on uh, philosophy. Uh, Western philosophy and of course Eastern philosophy, uh, you know, it, it is it is all together. Whether it's Eastern or Western, they're different, great, great uh, teachers and different uh, uh, thinkers that have probed into the pr profundity uh, of uh, the energy within uh, within the uh, intellect. Because you know, philosophical philosophical inquiry is not going to happen without intellectual energy. There's no way. It just can't happen, you know, and it's not something that the general public does. That's why I think in many ways, this is just my opinion, I think humanity suffers because we have not become philosophers. Every human being should be a philosopher. Why not? That's my opinion. You know, and then on that basis, we can step back and look at our life in a much broader way, in a better way, through, through examining with each other respectfully the diversity of ideas that have come in the history of philosophy, and then, of course, related areas like psychology and others, uh, so that we can develop ourselves and, and that we don't get caught up in, in, in uh, conflicts and problems and, 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 and harmful activity. Hence, we become wise. We, you know, we get wisdom which is the original meaning of philosophy anyway. So uh, these are some of my thoughts about this, and we will continue this process forward into a tremendous depth as we continue to evolve further. All right, thank you for your time. And if you need to, uh, excuse me, if you, if you would like to uh, 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 learn more about the Energy Personal Excellence Program, please uh, send me an email at sachincarnic.com or, uh, or at personal.excellence1008 at gmail.com. You may contact me on cell phone at 302 Two six eight four four eight zero. This is a new program, and it's open for everyone. You know, so everyone is welcome to join this program. Thank you.